0: Welcome to the Lockbox Podcast. Join me, your host, Brian Dominguez, and other special guests as we discuss life, leadership, and real estate. Welcome back to the Lockbox Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Dominguez, here today with Chris Sissel, who's been a friend and a colleague for a couple decades now, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Chris, welcome. Thanks for the invite. You bet. And so you started real estate in what year?
1: 2002.
0: 2002, and we both started at a local uh, franchise brokerage. And I got to know each other there. So you've had some ups and downs. You've kind of been through all of, all of the market shifts that we've experienced in the last couple of years.
1: All the craziness that's known as real estate.
0: Yeah. So today we're going to focus on developing a niche. What that looks like for somebody that may be listening, a realtor who here oftentimes that you should find a niche and become an expert at it. And I'd be curious because you're one of the few realtors that's done that really well. And uh, in addition to having a niche, you also have branded yourself. You have a very distinct brand that I want to get into a little bit later and uh, talk about how that came about and what the benefits have, have been for you with that. So share a little bit, a little bit about your, your journey in
1: real estate since you got started with what of the different paths you've gone down. Right, well, I started, I started at a local franchise, you know, same place you did. Uh, worked there for about six years-ish, give or take. Um, primarily when you're new, it's almost all first time buyers or friends and family worked at, worked at Avenue for a while. And then we came into the market decline in 2007 mm-hmm. when the real estate market kind of, uh, went through a, you know, a, a major change, uh, got hired on over at Midstate Realty, mm-hmm. which is a, a local REO company. And I worked, uh, the REO business with him as one of his, uh, I guess, one of his teammates or team members. For about seven years, doing primarily REO, foreclosure, distressed properties, BPOs, monthly marketing reports, cash for keys, all that fun stuff. So for people that don't remember maybe the REO market, what's REO mean? REO's foreclosure. Okay. So, uh, and then you had this short sale market. About the same time, I referred most of that business off at the time because the REO was very time-consuming. So back to when you started, would you say that this real estate was a second career for you? It, real estate was... I had worked, after the got out of the Navy, I had gotten a job at Snapple, and I got a job at uh, Coca-Cola, and I did route sales with Snapple and Coca-Cola for many years, um, but throwing around cases back and forth off of trucks and on the shelves, starts taking a toll on the shoulders and back, sure. and I, so I needed a little something that was probably sales related, which I was you know, already in the field, but a little easier on the body. So how'd you choose real estate? Happened to just be driving by, saw a sign for for... For education career night, night, career, career night. night, and yeah, you know, so I called the number, and she goes, "Well, come on in." I was like, "I don't need to come in. Uh, just where do I sign up for the classes? I need to get the license." You are ready? Yeah, I was just done at the time. I had a I had a primary residence, and I had a rental, and I was like, oh, I, "I'm already kind of doing real estate, messing around with my rental now. Let's let's just jump in with two feet." Good deal. I appreciate you going backwards with me there for a minute. So you're doing
0: REOs, you're doing short sales. Which was the market at the time, right? Yeah, uh, that was
1: the whole market at the time for the most part. That uh, was basically it was, and I just did just the the foreclosure side. I referred off to short sales. Did a few realized it was a lot of work for for a paycheck that may come eight nine months later. So yeah. the REOs was more of a, a faster pace, quick money. Now, what's a BPO? BPO is broker price opinion. So. Short form version of an appraisal, and the, did the banks require those? Mm, the banks required BPO, so they knew exactly what to put on their spreadsheets as far as the value on the home. And then they, when they sent out the listing uh, for the foreclosures, uh, they would base the price on your BPO. Got it. So one of the most important things a realtor can do is be
0: able to price property, right? Absolutely. Knowing that new neighborhoods are local different areas, you know what a what a comp is. What you can cross property. one street and the values substantially changed absolutely so did that doing those bpos how does that help you hone in on pricing property
1: oh it's fantastic in fact i every time a new agent asks me i give them the bpo companies that a lot of them that i did bpos with and said hey you need to sign up for these learn to do these once you have these mastered to where they're not red flagging them and sending it back to you for corrections you got your pricing down you can do it yeah so when you went into the reo
0: market was there any concern about losing the traditional buyer, or the first time home buyer? Did you have any fears about not having
1: that traditional database? I did lose some, you know, it was, uh,
0: cause that was, was kind of your first niche, right? Yeah.
1: And it was fast paced. So we would show up at five in the morning and we wouldn't leave the office until about two at night. Wow. And that was in between running around the properties. And by the time you got your paperwork done, it was two o'clock in the morning. There was just no time to, to actually follow up with your past clients. So I did lose some in the process. Um, but it was it was an educational experience that uh, probably was worth the worth the price. And it it's it's a different aspect of real estate too. Oh, it's completely different than than your traditional sales sitting at an up desk, which we used to have, and taking calls from and, the and it, you know in the banks, they're it, you're not sitting on the kitchen table, you know, showing offers and talking to a person one on one. They have, they don't care. So you s- upload it into their web system. Mm-hmm send it off to them and they look at their net sheet, some sitting probably over on the East coast somewhere with no love or care for the property at all. They just want to recoup as much of their money as possible. Sure. And then they would approve it and send it back to you. There's really no human contact, no personal relationships at all. That's one of the few niches probably that the emotional piece is taken out of buying. There's zero emotional piece. The emotional piece was the sad part of talking to the homeowners who, who were in distress. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So one of the, Maybe, and tell me if I'm wrong, one of the downsides of a niche could be that it's market-based. So when we started to come out of that REO uh, time in real estate and REO started to dry up and the market started to turn around, did you have to reinvent yourself or what was the transition like for you into a different type of
1: business? I, I did, and then, you know what? And I struggled with it too. So when I came out of that, I, I went back to the uh, traditional office, try, tried to do my old thing what I had done before, but times were different now, and real estate was a little different. Mm-hmm. And I had lost contact with a lot of people. So I actually got to the point where I was a little frustrated, mm-hmm. and I took a couple of years off from real estate, still was in the real estate field, still had my license hung, but I just did nothing but BPOs, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of did my thing, and just worked with just my sphere group, or mm-hmm. referrals, and just did listings only. Um, just to kind of basically level myself back out mm-hmm. and re and figure out where I'm going to go in real estate from here because it was times had changed and the market was different and it was, it was a struggle to come back into it. Matt, do you remember some of the things you did to build that traditional business back up or it was basically just going back and touching base with everyone in my CRM and in my sphere, and basically almost reintroducing myself to all those people because I had lost contact with a lot of them, right? You know, over the
0: years. So we talk about that a lot: touching your database on a consistent basis, keeping your name in front absolutely. of
1: absolutely. And that that was that was a lesson well learned. I mean, that that hurt for a good three years.
0: Those expensive ones are the most <laughs> the most important <laughs> lessons that we learn sometimes. So then, okay, so if you kind of coming out of that, you've built your business back up. And now, now would you say you have a niche now?
1: Yeah. So started getting my traditional market, uh, my traditional real estate business going again. And it started ramping up and then I came across a, a really an, an investor that I had known during the REO days who was buying up a whole bunch of rental properties off me. And he brought this, this whole crazy idea of flipping properties. And I was like, Hey, you know, let's do it. You know, um, I'm, I'm here to assist in any way possible. So we actually met up with a few other people that were doing the same thing, kind of learned off of them, and then fed off of them, and we just basically just started, uh, uh, I was out just doing nothing but searching for properties for them to flip. They, we would buy them. I'd be on the you know the buying side agent, buy them, and then they would send over their contractors, do whatever, do their magic to it, make that home pretty again, and then they would give it back to me as a listing to put back on the market.
0: So you experienced the whole process from finding the property, probably talking or negotiating to tenants or homeowners,
1: right? Buying them as is. Some of them are on the market and some of them, a lot of them were off market. So, but it's, um, it, it was more of a learning process to know what you had to come in on, on a purchase price, having kind of a mental note of what the whole, I guess the whole expense of the remodel would be knowing what you can resell it for, plus with the resale costs, realtor fees, escrow right. fees, and make sure that that investor still was able to come out whole with a nice little check in their pocket for, for their labor.
0: Sure. So every niche you had, you really had to do an extra level of analysis for everybody,
1: right? This actually went back to almost a BPO-style yeah. analysis because, in fact, a few properties, when they were difficult, I whipped out the old BPO form instead of trying to do it mentally, and I would actually fill it out and actually do it as a BPO, and then call them up and say, I think we have to buy it for this to be able to resell it for this.
0: So one of the, I think, important skills of a successful realtor is to be able to understand the differences in value between properties, right? So you could have a three-bedroom, two-bath and another two-bedroom, one-bath in the same neighborhood, but you have to understand how to calculate those and compare those. Even if they're the same size, the bedroom and bathroom counts matter. Amenities, pools, condition, that kind of thing, and knowing what that value is. And, looks and like. condition, yeah. Condition which some of those online uh, real estate portals don't take into consideration every time. No, no. <laughs> so it's not, not as easy as it looks. I guess is what I'm what I'm trying to say. So as you built that business up and you've, you've you're very successful now in the flipping industry. You've got investors you work with on a regular basis. You kind of you guys have built a name for yourself and the and the product and the quality. And but you've got your own brand independent of that as as an agent that you represent yourself to
1: the public with. Right? Yes, I'm not really known as Chris Sissel anymore out there.
0: So what are you known as?
1: The Great Dane. And tell us about that. How did that come about? So my I'm my you know, my family is Danish and my grandfather back in the day would like to refer to him as himself as the Great Dane. So I so once I got out of that the the big franchise style real estate company, you know, where they give you your franchise email addresses. I had to come up with a, another new business email. And I thought just an ode to my grandfather, call it the Great Dane. Mm. You know, so, you know, greatdane2.cc at gmail.com. Thought that was, I thought it was a fantastic idea. I realized it was way too long and complicated, And but I've stuck with it. And it's gotten easier for other people to understand it now because it's actually just, you know, three words put together. Um, so he was Danish. I decided to use that email. And when I went to the last company I was at prior to coming to Premier Valley, uh, everyone in the office started calling me the Great Dane.
0: Yeah. And so it's,
1: it started as an email. It just started as an email. I never called myself that. No one called me that. Interesting. It just was started as an email to as an ode to my grandfather.
0: And is it have you noticed that it's a conversation point with the public where they can ask you about? Because the Great Dane now is not only an email, but it's on your signs, it's on your business cards, it's on my
1: shirts, my hats, my. Yeah, my coffee mugs. So it's probably a great way to start a conversation it's with a Tattoo to my arm. It's got even got the <laughs> tattoo. That is brand dedication right there. I like it. Can't change it now. So uh, so I, I used the email and then uh, it came up as where they just started calling me the Great Dane. I don't know if they were teasing me or just having you know having fun with it or but you know I was like, you know what, if you're gonna call me that, I'm gonna use it. So for the, about the last four years, it's just been Great Dane real estate. So I put it on everything, it's on my it's on my signs, it's on all my advertisement. It's on my social media. I mean, I, I tag it on my social media. I, it's amazing how many people come up to me and say, Hey, do you have great Danes? All I can say is no, I'm Danish. You know, <laughs> you know I never owned a great Dane. I don't have a great Dane. You are I, a dog guy. Just... I am a dog guy, but, uh, but, uh, I do not have any great Danes. Never never, I've had them.
0: So has, has there been any surprises that this
1: kind of, this branding has come out of that, that you didn't anticipate? Uh, I do get I do get agents on a regular call, uh, basis. Will call me and say, "Hey, Great Dane, you know, when can I set an appointment to go see this home?" Or yeah. you know, I even have clients that uh, will send me an email or a text message and refer to me as a Great thing. It's gotten to the point where I don't have a name. You don't have a name. I love it. That's pretty good. My chair <laughs> or the bottom, but prettier. <laughs> love it.
0: Uh, so, in addition to the. The specific branding that you've done with a Great Date, You've also put yourself out there and, and done other types of marketing to get attention. I, a bathtub scene comes to mind. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> so, tell us about that. How did that? So, first of all, share with us what that what that piece was, that video. Okay. And so how that came about.
1: My investor, uh, he's he's scrolling through social media on a regular basis, and he sees all these younger realtors do TikTok videos and things like that you know, I'm coming up, creeping up on 50. I don't know what a TikTok is. <laughs> so so he says, you know, he's trying to describe to me reels and TikToks and videos. And I was like, you know, if you want a video, that's fine. But I'm not going to stand in the home and do a Vanna White gesture with some cheesy music playing, the elevator music playing in the background. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do something that stands out. And that's it, fun. You know, if you're, if you're if I can't have fun doing it, it's just not worth doing.
0: That's a good motto for
1: life. So, you know, I, you know, first thing that came to mind was uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he had a shower scene at the very beginning, and at the very end he had a bathrobe scene. And I thought, well, let's do a video at the house. But instead of a shower scene, I think a bathtub scene would be funnier. And then we'll do the robe scene at the end. And so I did the video at this house uh, with the Ferris Bueller music. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time with it. and We're going to do, definitely I had some other ones scheduled and other ones planned. Oh, Mentally, okay. my, my wheels are turning because <laughs> it got enough attention and I had enough fun with it. It's worth the expense and the time to, to play with it. To anymore. stand out. And so stay tuned for those future videos. But the house you were in was a pretty nice house. Yes, it very, was very, very
0: nice house. Yeah. So it really kind of worked out. And then did, did anything come of that? Did, did,
1: did people see that that you didn't anticipate would see it? And you know, what? I didn't. Well, I knew the sellers of the house would see it eventually. I did not share it with them until they saw it personally on social media. Okay. And I did not tell them what my idea was. Thankfully, they had a good sense of humor and they thought it was funny. Um, obviously, I wouldn't do that for someone who was maybe maybe a, not not as silly as I am. Um, but you know, it's, it's worked out well. Um, I actually got a, a person that saw the video and I got a listing out of it cause they thought it was hilarious. Nice listing. Very nice listing. So at the end of the day, it came out to be a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. It paid for the video. It, it paid for the video. That's great.
0: One of the things I think that's been consistent is your customer service is pretty high, right? I mean, the way you service your clients is stem to stern. It could be responding to an alarm call on an investor, you know, vacant flip, going out in the middle of the night, rescuing dogs that have been in the backyard, right? I mean, so how has customer service
1: providing at a high level affected your business? You know, it's it's helped out tremendously. It's gotten to the point where my people almost consider, most of my clients, I would say the vast majority of them, would almost consider me as family Mm -hmm. versus their agent. So... It's, it's kept the level of return business and referral business at a high level for me, uh, but I have, it, but it, it does come with a cost. I mean, I'm out there at two o'clock in the morning with an alarm right. chasing out someone who broke into a house or, or, I don't know, adding, strapping water heaters and adding smoke detectors and O2 detectors. And, you know, I've mowed lawns, <laughs> I've done repairs at houses, yeah. you know, just to get something closed. So, I mean, it, it, it's time consuming. But you know, in the, in the long run, it's worked out really well for me.
0: When, and sometimes it creates burnout, right? This industry is hard to have boundaries where I'm off, or I'm on, or I'm working, or I'm not taking time away. I mean, I know that's something we all struggle with, and we've talked about uh, burnout and you know, sl- blurring that line of work-life
1: balance, and and that's one of the struggles I know I have in this industry. I work. I pretty much work seven days a week, so I take four days off per month to go to the coast with the family, mm-hmm. generally. And I try to take one day off a week, if it even if it's a half a day, just to just to be lazy and yeah. and uh, just sit around and relax and decompress.
0: And you probably need that to stay.
1: Oh, if I didn't, I'd go start crazy. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What What advice would you give somebody that's looking to get into the industry? You ever get calls from people that are thinking about getting their
1: license? I well, I'm honest with them. It's tough. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, they can't just come in and think that it's million dollar listing you know, the, the LA TV shows and whatever yeah. they see on the HGTV, you don't show three homes and then they pick one of the three. It, it just doesn't <laughs> work that way. You, know, you don't have start Joanna Gaines come in and, yeah. you know, and fix it up for you and furnish it for you. Right. It's, it's a tough industry. It's, it, it would be good for someone to have a little bit of uh, saved up money, Sure. you know, maybe some reserves. I would say six months, but three months, probably minimum, mm-hmm. um, And I think it's, I mean, I think you have to hunker down and you get out of it what you put into it. It So if you only work it half, half effort, you're only going to get half the returns, if less, you know, if not less, you know, if you put in a hundred percent, 110%, you're going to get that 110% in return, Mm -hmm. you know, but it does take some time.
0: It does. And I think people forget that because we see, especially with social media, we see the Success that a lot of agents show, but they don't. we don't realize it behind the scenes. The they decade, all have to start somewhere. The years that go by to
1: build that up. And I think when when you and I started, it was a lot easier to start because you could work up desks and do open houses, and, and you got your clientele at first that way. Right. Today's real estate, with all the new websites that weren't around, we didn't have all those websites around before, and a lot of buyers are shopping around on those. We didn't have all those, so now people don't need to call an up desk like they used to. So now you're forced to pick up the phone and chase people down to get to them before they go to that website, and we have to show value in a different way now.
0: Okay? Exactly, we have to get in the bathtub and then do a you know do a, a video, and sometimes we have to do an inappropriate <laughs> video. Whatever it takes. Well, Chris, uh, appreciate the great day, I should say. Yeah, appreciate having you on today and sharing your experiences and, and the journey that you've been on. I'm happy that we get to work together again 20 years later, so happy to have you at Premier Valley Realty and really appreciate the insight you shared with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet.